0: Uh, well, this morning I, uh, I get to do the next part in the series of Ephesians, and um, we're looking at the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and it's such a great letter, and if you get a chance, don't just, um, don't just hear the teaching that people are bringing each week, because we can only just take a snippet of the truths that are in there. Uh, time does not permit to bring out every single truth that's in there, we would just have um, church all day. But um, today I get to speak on the second part of Ephesians 4, and, uh, and that's great. Anyway, um, you're going to have to pray for me. Last night I was doing my sermon, and I seriously started seeing the computer as double. I was that tired. It had been well over 30 hours before, um, between ever having a bed to lay in, and uh, jet lag was setting in. So if you're sitting there and you think, oh, she's struggling, just pray for me, Okay. Just pray for me. Um, Have you ever been in a situation where you think you're absolutely right? I'm glad that I saw my mum's hand go up because I'm about to tell a story about her. (laughs) Absolutely right. You uh, could have put, you would have bedded yourself to the hills. You were right. You knew that you knew that you knew. Well, the first time that I went to Bali... Um, I went with my mom and my sister for a bit of a girl's trip, and it was such a good time. We had such a wonderful holiday. It sounds like I just go on holidays all the time. I don't at all. Um, but it was just such a great time, and we um, did come to the end of that holiday, and we're like, oh, I've got to pack up, and got to go, that kind of thing. And So we packed all our suitcases, and, and we checked out of the hotel. The car came to pick us up, took us to the airport, and did all the things, like, um, you get there early because you don't want to miss your flight. And um, and we found a spot in the airport and just put ourselves down. And we thought, okay, we're a bit early. That's why our flight's not on the screen. And um, we'll just take a seat here. Anyway, so we're sitting there for a little while. And the flight just hasn't come up on the screen. And I just thought, oh, where's our flight? Like, I have no idea where our flight is. And I, my behavior um, with flying has gotten... Definitely better. At this point in my life, it was at an all-time low. Actually, it was all-time low. I get very cranky very quickly. I'm not. I don't deal with the transit part of travelling very well. Um, Location and location, great. Transit, not so great. So I'm sitting in the airport, and and definitely a few hours has clicked over. And I'm thinking, where is our flight? Why isn't it even up on the screen yet? And so I'm pacing, probably being rude to mum. And um, mum goes, all right, I'll go and check. I'll go and find someone who can speak English and I'll ask about the flight. Anyway, she's gone for ages, absolutely ages. And then I see her coming back. And Holly is more switched on with these kinds of things. My emotions get in the way. And I see mum with a sheepish little face on. And I'm like, what, mum? What? She goes, well, we're a little bit early. And I said, how early? Mm, about a day or so. <laughs> and we had turned up, we had checked out of our hotel, we had packed, we had gone to the airport about a day or so early because mum thought she was right. She bettered herself to the hills, that she was right, that she knew that she knew that she knew we were flying out that day. Turns out uh, we weren't flying out that day. I got barley belly that night and spent the night in a cheap hotel hugging their disgusting toilet. So. It wasn't a very good experience from there on out, but she was so sure that she was right. I will admit, because Luke's probably sitting there going, Jess, you've done this. I um, actually did it to him in New York. Um, So I understand how it happens, mum. But um, all the right information was there for her to look at, and me too. I could have looked at it. I just didn't. It was all there. It was all available to her. But she had thought that it was on that day. So in the way that she thought that, she just acted out. And so we did too. We just followed her and we did that. And how often we can think something is so right and we'll act in that way because of our thought when it could be completely contrary. And we just act it out and we follow all the things that we're going to do because of that one thought. And this morning, I want to talk to us about um, an important issue that Paul brings up in the letter of Ephesians, that about the power of the mind. And if you're taking if you're taking notes this morning, this sermon is called "Make Up Your Mind." Make up your mind. I remember when I, we, Luke and I, first got married, and I I would always want to be. You know how you always want to make sure they're happy kind of thing? And you go, what do you want to eat? And Oh, whatever, whatever you want. whatever. You want. And he would always just go, make up your mind. And this is where Paul is kind of going to the Ephesians. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. So we're going to have a look um, in Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 25. If you have your Bibles, would you turn there? And uh, it'll be on the screen as well. But this is Paul telling the um, Ephesians... From the cell that he is in, in the prison cell he's in, and he's saying, Hey, I've encouraged you in all these things. I've encouraged you in the work of Christ. I've encouraged you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I've encouraged you to be unified as one. But now I want to tell you something. And in a lot of Bibles, it has the heading of time to mature. And it's almost like he's going, all right, I know I've encouraged you in a lot of things, but now it's time to actually make up your mind about a few things. And he says this, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you may no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you have learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus... You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is painting the the picture for the Ephesians that there is two different ways of life. He's pretty harsh in the first uh, description where he's describing the Gentiles. He says they they live in the futility of their thinking. What does that mean? They just live by what thought comes by. Whatever way the thoughts go, that's what they're going to believe. Whatever new philosophy comes along, whatever's in vogue, that's what they're going to go. And I think this. Well, I think this. And they just live in the futility of their thinking. That they are darkened in their understanding because they never actually look towards the light. And Paul says here that that separates them from the life of God. He said they're given over to sensuality. That means whatever the senses, whatever you want to touch, whatever you want to feel, whatever you, whatever you want to experience, just do that. They're given over in some, uh, in some translations it says to vanity, all about self And it's due to the hardening of their hearts. He is describing these people who live purely for their desires. They only live by what they think and the desires of of their flesh. So he's saying, don't walk like that anymore. Don't walk like that. And then he paints another picture. He says, but that was the old man and this is the new man, the man who walks in faith. One who puts off the old man and puts on Christ. Who walks in righteousness and true holiness. That the light is something that they move towards and that is getting brighter. Not that they would turn their backs from. He's giving two different pictures. And it says in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off that old self. So verse 22 says, put off that. Stop that. Stop just saying, well, I think this, so I'm going to do that. I want to do this, so I'm going to do Stop that, Ephesians. And you skip down a verse, and in 24, he says, but put on the new self. Put on Christ. And there's this one verse in the middle that is like a bridge between those two worlds. And it's verse 23. He says, but be made new in the attitude of your mind. He's saying, how do you get from this to this? Be made new in the attitude of your mind. In Proverbs, verse, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, As a man thinks, so as, so he is. In other words, wherever your thought goes, that's where your life will go. And he is saying, if you want to get out of this old man, if you want to put off everything that goes along with the old nature, change your thinking. Change what you think about, because as you think, so shall you be. He is calling them to say, make up your mind. It's time to change the way that you think. And over and over in the Bible, we are told about our mind. Over and over. In 1 Peter 1.13, you can take these down for Further study if you want. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Your mind. Be transformed from the old man to the new man by the renewal of your mind. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about that. As you think, so shall you be, where your thoughts go, so your life will go also. In James 1.8, he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Do you know what the futility of the mind? I think this. No, I think that. I read this article. Now I read this article. They're unstable in all of your minds. Well, I had this conversation. Well, I thought about this. I feel this. It's unstable in all of, all of your ways. And he's saying, you, if you are living like that, nothing will ever be steadfast. It'll go from here to here to here. Change the way that you live by changing your thoughts. In Colossians 3, 1 to 2, it says, And if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Be seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. Over and over, we are encouraged to change what we think about. If you continue to think negatively, if your thoughts are negative, your life will act out that way. You can't think hateful thoughts to someone and then love the love of Jesus on them. You won't want to look at them. In 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5, it's another letter that Paul has written. We're going to spend a bit of time on this verse as well. And it's almost exactly the same as what he said to the Ephesians. He's just expanded it a little more. So time and time again in his letters, Paul is saying to the churches, hey, there's something really important I need you to know about. He says, though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. And on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Same as what he was saying. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now what I'm talking about this morning isn't some new age happy thinking change your thought, change your life, kind of motto. We're talking about actual spiritual warfare. This is where he's saying, okay, I know I've been talking to you about the mind, but I want you to understand that through that is where we win our spiritual battles. We don't have any weapons in in the physical realm that we can knock the devil over the head with. He's saying, this thing that I'm teaching you, this this lesson about the mind is spiritual warfare. And for those of you that may not know what spiritual warfare is, it sounds like some gaming term. It's using our weapons in the realm that we cannot see so we get results in the realm we can. And this is what he's teaching them. He says that we have the divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are places that are, they were built with stones. They're a strong place that the enemy would be able to rest and they would go out and fight from there. Now he is not talking about physical strongholds because he says we have the divine power to pull down strongholds. Any thought that rises against the knowledge of God, any arguments, any pretension. He's talking about strongholds in the mind. How do we get a stronghold in the mind? How does the enemy get a stronghold in the mind? It starts with one thought. And that thought might not become the stronghold, but keep thinking that thought, and it becomes the thought pattern. And as it becomes the thought pattern, it becomes the stronghold in in your mind. What's the stronghold? A place where the enemy will gain rest and wait for his time to attack. He says, you have the power to bring down those strongholds. But if you keep agreeing with the lie, you then empower the liar. You give power to the liar when you come into agreement with what he is saying about you. You and I as Christians cannot afford to think a thought about ourselves that God doesn't think about us. Why? Because there's only two realms. The realm in which God operates and we can choose to come alongside in agreement with that or the demonic realm and we can choose to come alongside in agreement with that. The moment that we believe a lie and put our agreement, yeah, I think I agree with that. We come and empower the liar and therefore we rage against the will of God that he has for our life. The moment you start to think, yeah, I guess I am a bit of a failure, you empower the liar That is not what God thinks about you. The moment you think, yeah, I think I am a bit too bad for God to use. Yeah, I am a bit too far away. Oh, I'm not that intelligent. That anything that you come alongside and put your agreement with, you give your power to. And when Jesus says something about you, who says, you have a plan and I have a future for you. You are above and not below. You are more than a conqueror. You are redeemed that your sins are as far from the east as the west. When you come into agreement with that, you then give power not to the liar anymore, but to the life giver. You give power to the life giver when you agree with life. But those strongholds in your mind, it comes when you agree with the lie. Colossians 2 verses 8 says, See to it that no one takes captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. See to it that no thought comes and takes you captive. That you would identify with that lie so much that it has you bound that that's how you operate. Let truth be the place that you operate from, whether you feel like it or not. Let truth be the place you operate from. So how do we stop the cycle? How do we pull down the strongholds? You might be thinking, how many strongholds do I have? I don't know. But the way that we get the strongholds, how do we start using the weapons? Well, you can't use what you don't know you have. You can't use what you don't know you have. The Word of God, and people in church have heard it over and over again. You know why? Because it's the only thing that will change your life. The Word of God is living and breathing. And when you know what the Word of God says about you, you can then use that as the weapon. But you cannot use the Word of God if you don't know what it says. If the only thought you keep thinking is I'll never make it, I'll never amount to anything and you don't know that God says in Jeremiah 29 that I have plans far beyond anything you could imagine to to bring you good and not to harm, to prosper you and not to hurt you. How would you know to speak that back to the liar if you haven't read it? The Bible is so important. It is not that you have to read your Bible because you're a Christian. It is you have to read your Bible because you need to know what armor and what weapons you have. How are you meant to fight with, with, when you don't know what you're going to fight with? You need to put the word in so when the lies try to come, you can put the word out and demolish that lie. The only way you combat lies is with the truth of the word of God. And if you don't know it, you won't be able to use it. Jesus in the desert, when he goes out fasting, gives us the best example of this. Jesus was not too holy that he wouldn't have to fight this battle the same the way that you and I do. But the devil came to him three times. And Jesus gave us the best example of spiritual warfare. He says, hey, are you really the son of God? He questions his identity. Are you really the son of God? Do you think that? And he says, it is written. And the next time the devil attacks, Jesus responds, it is written. And the third time that the devil attacks, he responds, it is written. And every lie that the devil was trying to put into his mind, he had the word of God and the truth to combat it. And so you and I need to look at that model and go, I need to know that. If, there is, if there's parts in your mind where you know you're thinking wrong, but you're just not sure how to get out of it, you need to search the Word of God on scriptures that are directly related to that so that you can combat the lies that are trying to come in. And the Holy Spirit has a beautiful part to play in this. You, you might think, do I have to memorize the whole Bible? That's going to be tough. The Holy Spirit says, will bring to remembrance that which you learned. You put the Word in. It doesn't just disappear. It says the Word is eternal and life-giving. It's alive. And if you put that thing that is alive in you, it's not going to die out. The Holy Spirit will bring it to you when you need it. And thoughts come so quickly, so quickly, all the time. You've probably had 1,000 different thoughts about what's going on in the last 20 minutes. They come and they go and they come and they go. We can't be in a place where we think, oh, that thought, in three days, I'll get back to that thought and I'll tell it where it's meant to go. Because it's come and it's gone. It comes and goes and comes and goes. You need the word that is in you, say, in the moment that you're under attack, you can speak truth straight away. That you, and Paul goes on in Ephesians 4, he says that you would not give the devil even a foothold in your mind. Have the word of God in you. Paul was encouraging the Ephesian church. And, and he says, this is this realm. And this is this realm. I love that he says, but that's not how you were taught. This over here is not how you were taught. What he's saying is, it is very possible for you to believe in Jesus and still live like the Gentile. It is very possible that although you believe in Jesus, you align your mind with every different type of philosophy that the world can throw at you. You know the knowledge of Jesus, but you never move from the knowledge or the knowing to applying and when he's saying, make up your mind, he is saying, make up your mind that is this truth or, if or is it not? Because if it's truth, then you need to start believing it. Not just knowing it, believing it. Because when you believe something, you act out of that. When you know something, it's just a, it's just a consideration in the decision making. But when you believe it, that is where your decisions come from. He's saying, come from believing, just believing. Even the demons believe that Jesus is God. Even the demonic realm know that he's God. But there's, there's, there's more than just salvation for us because we can believe in the name of Jesus and we are saved, fantastic, but never actually walk in the victory that he, that he died for. And the moment you go from believing to applying, you take you make the decision to say, I'm not just going to walk in salvation. That is my, my, uh, my salvation, my head knowledge. We'll look into Ephesians 6 later. Uh, but I am going to actually walk in the victory that God has given me. In the next part of chapter 4, Paul goes on to start talking about feelings. Feelings. And encourage people to not be controlled by your feelings. How hard is that? Ah. Uh, We are so addicted to our feelings, it's not funny. I feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. Well, I feel like they ignored me. Well, I don't feel like that's true. Oh, Today, I don't feel like... We are addicted to how we feel. Some of us in here would wake up and you wait for a thought to tell you how you feel. You're depressed today. Oh, okay, I'm depressed today. We wait to see what our feelings are going to dictate for our life. But Paul goes on and he says... Don't live by your feelings anymore. Don't be controlled by anger, revenge, bitterness. Don't speak evil about people. He's saying, don't be controlled by your feelings. You know what? If you make your foundation feelings, you're on the road to failure. There is nothing stable about them. You feel this, you feel that. I feel this today. Oh, I feel like he loves me today. I feel like he doesn't love me today. Oh. Feelings, they are not a place to build your foundation on. Only faith will, a foundation of faith will produce a road to victory. Paul's saying to them, we need to move from just information because we all know it. I don't have to stand up here and say, hey, as Christians, we should read the Bible. Every, every one of us could have stood up and said that. But it needs to go from the place where we, we just know it to we actually believe it. And he says that the bridge there, how do you get from here to here? Here. It changes in your thinking. You need to go from information to Revelation. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal what is truth to you. I love, um, there's a story in Matthew 16 where Jesus, uh, Jesus comes to his disciples and, uh, and he goes, hey, what's everyone saying about me? It's kind of like when kids in the playground go, how old do you think I am? <laughs> anyway, um, what's everyone saying about me? What's everyone saying? And, some are going, oh, well, some think you're Elijah and some think, some think that, um, that you're a prophet and some think you're a good man, They're giving all these answers. And then Simon Peter pipes up. He goes, oh, no, Jesus goes, but what do you say I am? What do you say I am? And Simon Peter replies, well, you're the Messiah. You are the Christ. And Jesus looks at him. So said, that's right. But you didn't get this just from information. You got this through the revelation from my father. That's the absolute truth. But you didn't just learn that. That's been revealed to you. And and Jesus uh, encourages him and says, well done. And then a few verses down, Jesus is telling about how he must go and he must die. And Peter, the same guy who Jesus just went, God on you, that came from a revelation straight from the father. Peter pipes up, he goes, Never, you're never gonna die, I won't let that happen. And Jesus turns around and goes, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. The same guy who a few verses ago was being, Yes, revelation of God, Jesus is saying, Get behind me, Satan? How does that even happen? Well, it happened, we can see what he's talking about. When we look through the next verse, it says, Peter took him inside and re- began to rebuke him. I don't advise rebuking Jesus. But ne- and he says, never, Lord. He says, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned p- to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. And this is the key. You're a stumbling block to, block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In one verse, he acted out of revelation. In the other verse, he acted out of feelings because his mentor, his friend, his teacher was going to die. and, And Jesus just says, you know what? Your mind's not where it should be. And you think that could be really harsh, calling Peter Satan. That's not very nice. But he is outlining two things. One verse, he said, that was from God. And the next verse, that was from Satan. There is no middle ground when it comes to the mind. It's either from Satan or it is from God. And it is only us who gets to choose what we align ourselves with. No one else can choose what you believe. It is your battle and it is your, your job to keep bringing every thought into captivity. Every thought. Here you go, Jesus. Is it true in you or is it Not. And we cannot afford as Christians to act out of our feelings rather than our revelation. And even if you don't feel like you believe it, you need to just walk in that until your feelings catch up. I don't always feel like serving, but my revelation is that Jesus died for the bride of the church. So, I will continue to walk in a way that honors that. Your feelings don't need to catch up. Your feelings don't need to match up with the truth for you to still live right, to walk in victory. They will catch up if you just make that pattern, that thought pattern, continually, bringing the thought to Christ, bringing the thought to Christ, bringing the thought to Christ. It's the renewing of our mind by the word of God word of God in word of God out word of God in word of God out you know you can you might think well what thoughts am I aligning myself with you can easily tell because your thoughts will produce actions So so, so you think so shall you live And as you think, there'll be a response. If your response is out of fear, you're aligning with a lie. If your response to that thought is out of love, you're aligning yourself with God. There is two responses, fear and love. For those of you that might align yourself with, well, nobody talked to me at church today. Nobody likes me. That's a a fear mentality. The mind of Christ says, who can I speak to? Who needs to be encouraged? For it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's not about me anymore. I'm not on the carnal things. What's happening in the spirit? Who can I minister to? Someone said that you might, if you're acting out of the past hurt. Well, I got hurt like that. I'm not going into that again. Uh Uh-uh. They hurt. No, I will. This is my experience and I'm going to stick to this way. And I'm I'm just going to live like this. That's fear. But God's way of thinking says, "You know what? I am. God is stronger than anything that has come against me. That I am more than a conqueror. I don't have to live in fear of that happening to me again because I know that who, who lives in me is stronger than that who lives in the world." What are your reactions? Fear or love? Fear or love? This morning, I, I am. Um, well, last night as I was finishing off preparing, I really felt God prompt me to tell a story um, about my life that uh, I probably haven't shared in a setting like this before. And, um, and I've, I've kept quite private because it was my battle. And, um, but I just felt God to prompt, prompt me to tell this about him because it's his victory and it's his testimony. And who am I to keep it because I don't want to be shameful. So um, if you're praying for me, pray for me now. Okay. But somewhere, somewhere along the line of my life, I begin I begin to align myself with a lie. And it's a carnal lie. And it was um, something I've shared a bit about before, about how I thought... I I didn't really know how how to articulate it, but I always thought that my value might come in the way that I I look to people. And I remember a few things, a few different keys along the way. And I, I remember in high school, I had a teacher who said some mean things. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, that's probably true. And I aligned myself with that. And somewhere along the way, I just didn't think that my mind added up to everybody else's. Think, I'll be the ditzy girl because thats I, I don't think I'm smart. I, don't, I think I'm, I must be dumb. And somewhere along the, the, the way of my life, I said yes to that lie enough times that there was a stronghold in my mind. And out of that stronghold of believing that I wouldn't add up, Uh, became another little thought, because from strongholds comes another thought and they can build another one, was that the only value you'll ever have, Jess, is that if you look pretty. That's it. No one will ever listen to what you say. No one will love you. No one will think you're any of any value unless you're pretty. And that at first might have seemed absurd, but think it enough and it became a stronghold. And that, out of, out of that, um, the devil laid in wait and, and waited for the attack of the next thought of, well, if you're going to be just pretty, you better be skinny too. You can't just be pretty and chubby or something. You've got to be skinny too. And so that thought comes back and comes back and comes back. And then it moves to an action. And so, you, so you think, so shall you live. And that moved into bulimia of where I thought it was actually okay for every single meal to be thrown back up. That was normal because the stronghold, the stronghold, the stronghold told me that. And from that um, came the next thing and think, well, is that really doing enough? You better, better use laxatives all the time as well. And from the stronghold, the thought, the thought, the thought into my lifestyle, of a Christian girl who no one knew had a battle with thinking that the only value that I would ever have would be to be how I looked. I was a worship leader. I was a youth leader. No one knew. It was my thought and my lifestyle. Where it got to the place where I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. This is completely destroying me. And Luke was my boyfriend at the time. And I remember one night just saying, Luke, I've got to tell you something. He's like, yep, casual Luke, yep. And I remember just feeling the weight of the world of just the weight of shame. I was so ashamed of this. I was so ashamed. How could I get up and lead people in worshiping a God that I never even believed I was good enough to be loved by? And I remember sitting there in a, in a blubbering mess telling him, and by this time I was on the floor, a blubbering mess, and he, he literally just picked me up and just went, who, who did this to you? How, how did this happen? And I remember not even a conscious thought, nothing even, I didn't even process it. This wasn't an answer that I thought I'd give to make it look okay. And out of the very depths of me, I just went, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. And there it was. The lie that all those years ago put itself as a stronghold and then my life all the way down the track was completely being destroyed by it, And uh, Luke's not a um, fluffy-duffy type. He goes, get up. I went, I don't want to, I'm so... Get up. And he made me walk over to a mirror. And he made me say and write on the mirror, Psalm 139, verses 14. And reluctantly, I stood there and I said, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. Pretty convinced, hey devil. And I did not feel like that was the truth. Every part of me did not believe that was the truth. I still thought that the way that I was living was the way that I was always going to live and I could keep this cover up. I just wanted to tell Luke just so someone knew. But the moment that the secret was exposed, so was the root of the problem. And the stronghold had to stop there. Did, did my lifestyle stop that right there? No. But every single time I stood in the mirror, he said, you must say this. So every time I would get a little better at it. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And months upon months upon months until I look in the mirror and I could go, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All of your works, I'm one of your works. I'm one of those things you created. And I know full well that I'm enough for you. I know full well I'm wonderfully made. I know it, I know it, I know it. Did my feelings... Feel it? No. But the truth was the truth and I made myself make up my mind that that was how I was going to live. That was how I was going to live. I could believe in Jesus and have my eating disorder or I could apply his truth and walk in the victory that Jesus gave when he gave his life. And so shall you have that choice. What is the mindset that you are walking in? It says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy was waiting there in my my stronghold. He was waiting there. One, to steal the testimony of Jesus that I just spoke of. And I believe when you speak testimony, the power goes out and other people can catch it and will ignite faith in their heart for them to walk in the victory. He was trying to kill the ministry that God has so beautifully and I am so humbled that he has allowed me to walk in this ministry of teaching. If I stayed in the stronghold of that I was dumb, I would never ever teach the word of God. He was trying to kill that before it even started. And he was trying to destroy my body one day at a time. Don't think your little thought is just a little thought. He is lying in wait to still kill and destroy You cannot leave those principalities and strongholds that do not align with God. They cannot stay there to fester and take root because he will wait until a specific time to steal, kill and destroy. I wonder what strongholds you have this morning. What thoughts, because it's possible to have the right thoughts about some things and the wrong thoughts about others. How do you tell? Take it to the word of God. Is this the truth? I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Take every thought. Is is this the truth? I'll check it out. Jesus, is this what you say about me? Is this the truth? And if it's not, do not entertain it for one moment longer. Get rid of it. Paul is saying, put on the new man the one that walks in victory, holiness and righteousness. How do you get there? Here. Your feelings will catch up. Start to apply the word and use it the way that God intended to bring down strongholds and principalities that we can't see in in this realm, but we will definitely see the effects in the realm we can see. Amen.